Hey, everybody. Welcome in. We haven't been canceled. No, no, no. We're back. It's the Hockey Show Podcast. I'm Nick. And I'm John. Yeah, uh, actually, we were out last week, and I'll just come out and say it. Um, I got super sick. I uh, went to Nashville, got to see uh Preds game in Nashville, the Predators take on the Sabres. We'll talk about that in a second. But yeah, I got super sick to the point where even you were concerned, John, because I took time off from work, which I never do. Yeah, that that's definitely an unusual occurrence for you. It's a uh... It's an unusual reaction to witnessing the skill of Tage Thompson in person, but, you know, very little is known about the Tage Thompson effect at this point. I blame Tage Thompson. I think it was the Tage Thompson effect. It was it was him and Alex Tuck's hair flowing that, that something happened. It was like a Last of Us scenario where some type of spores went into the air and I got infected and... Uh, yeah, which by the way, lethal combination, which by the way, sidebar that last of us show who, if you aren't watching that, give that a watch. I I have been watching that too. I'm not quite as over the moon with it as everyone else is, but I'm still enjoying it. Mm. Daddy Pascal is my thing, man. Uh, love me some Pedro Pascal. He's being typecast, man. <laughs> he is. He's he's typecast as sci-fi stepdad now. I don't care. I'm in. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, we missed last week, was sick, and then when we were trying to get things together, just life got in the way. So uh, we yeah. will talk about one of the big things from last week. Uh, one of the other things that would have been a big topic last week we have a conclusion to and we'll talk about that in a second but yeah i want to talk about nashville dude and, and going to bridge yeah what now now i've been to a game at bridgestone as well and i'm very curious your thoughts on how they present the game and how they kind of like do things at intermission and stuff like that dude it is fun it is so fun to see a game in nashville I was shocked at the amount of just entertainment. There is something going on always. Intermission, they have a live, like, country band playing after they do the little, you know, they do the gimmicky thing, the what everybody does, the whole, like, oh, going around the crowd, mm-hmm. and, hey, people skating on the ice, oh. But then, like, with instead of sitting there for 10 minutes with nothing to do, they have a band playing for nine minutes. And then the lights go out and the next hype for the next period begins. So I was really shocked by that. Like, I loved that. I thought that was really cool. Uh, The food was good that I ate at at the stadium. Uh, I liked the setup of the stadium. I walked around the entire thing. I just, I I went in, I went in the, like when the gates opened, I went in like about 20 minutes after the gates opened. Uh, Wanted to finish having my drink across the street at their, their local bar. I forgot the name of it, but it was their unofficial bar or their official bar uh, for pregames and stuff. So had my drink went in, but I got to walk around the whole stadium. Like it is a nice stadium. Uh, I loved the hype Mm -hmm. uh, before the game, Uh, the John party coming on. I was like, listen, I know I'm not really a big country guy, but I know that name. So this is cool. And then the whole Smashville, we're after one thing hyping up the crowd and then you got the predator head that comes down and the smoke and the eyes and out they come and former ranger ryan mcdonough did the uh (laughs) did the mascot repel down from the rafters he did not repel down uh so i i was recording it because i was curious i was like oh where is he gonna come from 
he just kind of came out uh, and slid across the ice. Like a nice long, like oh, he no. went like 150 feet of the 200 foot. Like, yeah. like he, he went and I was like, Oh, there he is. Uh, yeah. It's, I think because Nashville is a city that's just so designed to entertain you and pack so much stuff in that if you have a sports team there, you know, you have to bend over backwards because if people are bored, they can walk <laughs> across the street and find the next big country musician oh, yeah. or whatever it may be. So they put so much like when when I was there, they were playing the Blue Jackets and they had a skit where uh, their mascot and a poorly poor recreation of Stinger, the Blue Jackets mascot, were like playing dueling banjos or something. And Jeff Jarrett comes out of nowhere and smashes a guitar over the fake Stinger. Like I was. I was delighted and confused at the same time. Just like, I don't know why he's here, but I'm not about to complain. Oh, about we did not get so a Jeff Jarrett sighting. I wish I got a Jeff Jarrett sighting. Did, did they have some random celebrity pop up? Cause you went on a Saturday too. So I, fi- I figured they were, they would go way more out. Um, so interestingly enough. Yeah. I was, I, I figured a Saturday night in Smashville would yield somebody but no no celebrity sightings at the game no no, none of that which which is okay at the end of the day i'm not mad about it i'm not like oh how you oh it's not like i went to madison square garden and there were you know there wasn't a celebrity at the game they didn't like show michael j fox at the ranger game or something like that you know the the every keenan thompson's there he's always there like yeah Come on, like, you know, it, it wasn't one of those situations. Or going to a Kings game and being like, "Wait, Will Ferrell's not here tonight?" Like, what? Uh, you know, yeah. or, or a Lakers game and what? Nicholson's not here. Like, it, it wasn't one of those scenarios for me. Uh, I, I just really, honestly, that could have taken away from it. But overall, though, because I like, I really dug the experience. I want to go back to a game in Nashville again. But you're right, like, the party environment we talk about Vegas doing it up because, you know, we got to see it with that first year in the cup run, but Nashville does it up. I, I you know, we forget about their party during their cup, their, their, their cup failure, but their run to the Stanley cup final, like, like Vegas, they were doing it up partying every night. You know, you had, you had, it was what country singer oh, yeah. is coming to sing the anthem, uh, you know, and yeah, it's a party in there, dude. Like it's fun. It's, the last time I've the last I went to Rangers Capitals, Washington D.C. That's the last one I went to prior to this. That was an opening night game, and in between periods, it's just fifteen minutes of boredom. There's yeah. nothing going on during commercial breaks in Nashville. There was always something happening. the The two and a half yeah. hours flew. Yeah. It flew. It the hundred dollars I spent on the ticket worth every penny Ugh. yeah i was especially because especially <laughs> because two days later on uh that monday i think they were playing the canadians it was like 20 bucks for the seat that i got oh. the tier the tier pricing bro everybody wants to see tage thompson yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> saturday night game yeah. it makes sense oh yeah yeah, yeah. Saturday night uh, at home, you can charge you can charge whatever you want dude you know you're getting it. and it was a sellout yeah. or if not a sellout close enough to like right yeah. on the verge of it. Yeah, we're we're not about to be the people that are like, well, these seven people didn't show up, so sorry, yeah. you can't call yeah. this a sellout. <laughs> sorry that the, yeah, the didn't uh, sell the secondary seats that were sold. Yeah, 
I I feel like I've probably been to Columbus games the most because you know they're right here, <laughs> and and I feel like at a certain point, like you know what to expect at what intervals at a certain point. It's like this is when the pizza tossing is coming out. This is when the t-shirt cannon. Yeah. This is you know all that sort of stuff. I got to imagine if you're a season ticket holder in Nashville, you have no idea what to expect every single game. Yeah, because that's I mean that's kind of the joy of it. That's that was what was so cool yeah. about it. So yeah, I recommend it. Uh, go see a Predators game in Nashville. I, I, I it seems like we both agree. Go see a Preds game. Oh yeah, yeah, and it doesn't have to be your own team. I am telling you, dude. Like going, that's another thing. That was one of the first times like I've gone to a hockey game since Capitals Ducks with uh one of our old fraternity brothers. Uh huh. And even with that one, I had a bit of a sway of I didn't want to see the Capitals win because of my Ranger love. So, you know, but but overall, I didn't really have a dog in the race in that game. So it was just kind of a game. But like this one with no connection with Nashville or Buffalo, like, dude, I was just sitting there and I was just all for the home team. I was just all in like they had the hats, like whatever the insurance company is with like their yeah. big name and then the little predators i was rocking the hat i was like let's do this let's go preds come on philip forsberg get a hat trick i want to throw the extra hats like come on oh god that would have been chaos yeah like that's that's all yeah. i wanted <laughs> yeah there's there's something really liberating about going to a game like that and just like not yeah. really being affected by the outcome one way or the other just wanting to see something cool and it ended up being a really good hockey game too uh, I know the Sabres won, but that ended up being a really good back and forth game. Uh, Sabres went up one nothing. Fred side it. Sabres went up three to one. Fred side it. Sabres then went on to win it five to three. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, like that was that was cool. Just making friends with Fred's fans and uh, some guy named Greg Wyshynski as well got a shout out pregame and ended up liking my tweet on Twitter. <laughs> when you when you pointed it out yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like look they're doing a pregame right here and they mentioned greg wyshynski talking about the predators and he was like like <laughs> uh, oh i i'm i'm sure that is the easiest way to get on greg's radar is pointing out something where it involves oh him. yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> listen i this is an espn affiliated show we kiss the butt that feeds um <laughs> all right so Let's get into hockey, hockey talk. Some things did happen this week. One of the things we would have talked about last week is the horrible way that the Vancouver Canucks are treating Bruce Boudreaux and that they need to fire Bruce Boudreaux. But here we are today. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux is officially out. Bruce, there he goes. Uh, The Canucks finally put him out of his misery after we had known for so long uh, that it was coming, but then that press conference that where they just confirmed that he was a lame duck coach and it wouldn't put him out of his misery. Yeah, it, it was, it was time. Like you got, it was impossible not to get worked up about it to a certain degree, just watching him languish, having to come out day after day, answering questions about whether or not he's, you know, still going to be around and all this sort of stuff. And it was just, it was awful to watch, especially 
someone like him deserved a lot better than that. I felt like, yeah, he is. I got, I, I know that I'm going to come across a little bias here. It's a little braggy. I get that. But back when I, when we worked at 102.1, the game, when we first did the mm-hmm. two man advantage show that we, we did years ago, before you got there, I got the chance to talk to Bruce and, and I think you've gotten the chance to talk to him as well. And I met him at a game. Yeah, yeah. He is hands down. When I talk about people that I've gotten to talk to in this industry, like just in radio and media, he comes up in the top five all the time. And people that like, are like, well, wait, music wise, this and that entertainment, who's Bruce Boudreaux? Like, I'm like, he's a sports guy, but mm-hmm. he was the nicest dude. He just wants to engage people. He's friendly to people. So yeah, knowing him and having that weird, like, oh, I got to do an interview with you and you were like the sweetest interview that I ever did. And I was the greenest person at that time. Like you were my first, like you were like my first or second interview, like one of those at this, at this company. I'm hoping I don't screw this up for my bosses. Uh, And just the nicest dude. So, and, and he just acted like he had all the time yes. for the world for you. And you were the only person in the world at that point. In oh time. yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, it, it's, it, it, it's a very unique skill that he has to be able to talk to you like that and to make you feel that way. And for, and for the way he was just drawn it dragged out like this, the way that on TNT, they were talking about Rick Tockett taking over for him. Like it was a foregone conclusion with Rick Tockett sitting right there with him, you know, with with the way that, you know, on his way out, uh, Jeremy Rutherford is apologizing uh, for, you know, the way it went and saying, well, you know, when I get asked a question at a media thing, I I'm a little too honest. Oh, cool. You, you paid yourself a compliment while you're apologizing (laughs) to him. That that's very sincere of you. Just, it just, the the entire situation just rubbed me the wrong way with it. And and they say that in a lot of ways that, you know, you don't judge an organization by how they, you know, bring you on. They judge an organization on how they get rid of you. There's a lot of judgments to be made about Vancouver right now. Yeah, there's I I am curious what the ripple effect is of this situation, because you're right, like. It, it was dragged out to a point where the players on the Canucks have even admitted this became a distraction to them in the clubhouse. Because when we talk about, when we talk about our personal experiences with Bruce, like he's a player's coach. These players loved him. Yeah. He came into Vancouver. He is he universally adored by his players. players. Exactly. So it's not just like people in the media, people like us who are like, we had an experience and he's a good guy. He is just a good guy to where his players love him. So for his players to know, and this team to know, like, yeah, he's getting fired. He's getting replaced. Like it became such a drag because of the way that this was done. And it is, it really was shameful. And Rick Tockett has a lot of work to do to try and change the perception of this franchise. Because right now I, I am so low on the Canucks. Like we, the fact as well that Jim Rutherford now is realizing what we have said since the start of the year, really, uh, and realizing that his team is not that great and, and they have to make 
major changes to the team, but not really a rebuild because they're not trading for draft picks. Like, I don't know, man. Like, things are just so bad there that, that like, really, honestly, Rick Tockett has the worst – is in the worst position right now out of everybody because management has screwed this up so badly. You have a fan base that liked the coach. You had a, you had a team that liked the coach. But you had a management that didn't like the coach and didn't handle it properly. And I don't know, man. A lot of this, it tastes bad. It really does taste bad. Yeah, and and for all the people it could have happened to, I think you would have a hard time screwing over someone more beloved than Bruce Boudreaux. And I was trying to dig into a little bit of why that is. Uh, fun fact, he back in 1977, uh, Bruce is playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know, when he's not uh, an extra in Slapshot. And uh, he scores his first goal in the NHL. Guess who the goalie was? Mm, I don't know. Jim Rutherford. Uh, <laughs> conspiracy theory I here. <laughs> I just think it's interesting. But no, he, he plays a, a good handful of games in the NHL. He plays in a number of different leagues. His Ultimately, his last year is in the AHL with the Adirondack Red Wings in 1992-91-92. Or, or, uh, 92-93, he takes over as head coach in the Central Ontario Hockey League for the Muskegon Fury. He doesn't have a gap in that resume. Mm-mm. This is... All he has done for his entire life, 48 years, he has been a hockey guy, either as a player or as the coach. This is all he does. This is all he thinks about. You know, this is a lifestyle to him, this entire grind with it. And and I read about how he's, you know, gone back to his home in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and is, you know, just kind of settling in and figuring out what's happening next there. But just that they were talking about potentially firing him in November. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's, that's a long process. You got to figure out who's going to, you know, uh, take over for him. You got to convince ownership. Hey, I know we have to pay this guy this money anyway, but this is what we should do. But at a certain point, it would have made so much more sense to just have an interim coach take over in the meantime. And, and it's not like you had to go far to find one. Cause Mike Yo was right there as one of his assistants on the bench. So it wouldn't have been difficult. And, and just for, for the way that this has just been dragged on and on and seeing how emotional Bruce has been through all of it, he's, you know, starts tearing up when he's talking to reporters and, you know, excuses himself is just, I'm glad it's finally over. And, Boy, I wouldn't want to be in Rick Tockett's shoes right now. Yeah, I agree. It really would be tough to be Rick Tockett. And it is going to be tough to be Rick Tockett right now. But uh, it's done. It's his team. But there was a lot more to that press conference prior to Bruce being fired, prior to Rick Tockett coming in. And that was the fact that the Canucks... Rutherford finally admitted that this team... Maybe they shouldn't have signed JT Miller. They're definitely not going to be able to sign Bo Horvat. They're looking to make trades, and they're probably going to have to eat contract to some players as well. So 
what's next for the Canucks? What's next here? What, what we know Rick Tockett's in, but what comes after this? Yeah, and the funny thing is the the biggest thing favor the Canucks could do themselves is just stay out of the headlines for a little bit. It's been an ongoing thing all year between their coach and uh, you know uh, players saying injuries aren't being handled correctly and all this stuff. But the trade deadline is almost a month away, so they're going to have to start making some moves here. Um, I still think the best move for him would be to trade JT Miller, but that probably won't realistically happen. Uh, Rick Tockett's already kind of identified that he has to get JT Miller going again, a bit of a reclamation project. Uh, the It was funny how he danced around uh, the terminology a little bit. He said that he was conserving energy during shifts. It's like, that's about the nicest way that you could put something like that. Uh, but there's, there's a lot to be said about Bo Horvat and they, they just, they seem like they are destined to split from each other there. Uh, and there's been plenty of teams that are interested. Uh, Colorado looks like a potential destination. Uh, I don't know how the Bruins would make it work, but their name keeps coming up. Uh, Carolina has been another potential landing place for him as well. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say the Hurricanes, uh, they're probably going to be a team that's looking to make a deal soon. Uh, we could just talk about it now really fast with, with you know, especially after Max Pacioretty went down, that horrible, just, oh, it hurt to watch that video, and it sucked to see him re-tear his right Achilles in that game against the Wild, but with him suffering that, Carolina definitely in need of some some type of offensive help. Yeah, and and it's it's difficult to see which way that they're going to go with it because now all of a sudden they have that six or seven million dollars of cap space that's mm-hmm. opened up on the injured reserve. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Don Waddell and Carolina in general just don't typically go after rental players. They tend to go after players that have some term. And it's going to be really hard to do that this year with everything that you hear about a flat cap. If, uh, if there were zero players that got traded that didn't have, or that had term between now and the deadline, I wouldn't be all that surprised because it's just so many different moving parts. And there's so much uncertainty about what the cap is going to be like next year. As, as we have discussed at length, that it's just, I, I don't know how many teams are going to be too anxious to take on someone beyond this year. Yeah, uh, there are going to be a lot of rentals, uh, a lot of moves like that. And and that's why I don't think JT Miller gets moved unless you're willing to eat a lot of that contract. I know there are a few guys on that Canucks team that, you know, they've got like two, three years. But if you're able to get them to eat, 25% of their deals, maybe 30% of their deals, you'll be able to move them and and find a team that's willing to. And the way that Rutherford made it seem that the Canucks want to move forward, you know, there's going to be a team where you can get essentially a fourth line, third line winger for, you know, guys that it's so weird the way that he worded it with the fact of it's a rebuild, but they don't want to rebuild. It's a retooling. I guess is his actual. Yeah. So no draft picks, 
and the player either has to be a breaking into the league right now type of prospect or a guy that just hasn't panned out on your team that was a former top pick. Yeah, to which I, I'm saying, okay, so uh, Bo Horvat to Detroit for Michael Rasmussen and Philip Zadina. Who says no? Uh, <laughs> Any logical person they, would. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, uh, there, there has been a little bit of rumor about Vancouver sending a player to Detroit because they are having a really hard time sign, re-signing Dylan Larkin. And, uh, you know, nothing leaks out of the Iserman front office, so no one really knows what's happening. Some people say talks are going well. Some people say talks aren't going well. It, it's hard to say, but it would it, you could easily imagine a scenario where they swap Bo Horvat and Dylan Larkin, who are pretty comparable players, and just keep right on rolling. Or... Detroit, you know, gives a lot of those, you know, prospects and, uh, you know, players that haven't panned out and said, Dylan, and say, Dylan, look, we'd love to have you here, but, you know, we already have Bo Horvat, so maybe you should sign this type thing. Uh, it's, it's hard to see it happening because a team that's way out of the playoffs at this point doesn't usually go out and acquire an asset like this. Uh, but, Weird things can happen. Well, it's funny you say that because I think, you know, okay, this year it would be interesting. You you wouldn't see a team like the Blackhawks or somebody like that go out and make this trade. But if you're a team that has lived by the Vancouver motto of, well, be playoff competitive and maybe you get there, maybe you don't. Uh, yes, this year with, with the draft and, you know, the tank for Bedard and everybody pretty much get, gets the draft in the top 15 is going to end up with some type of superstar. Uh, Cause that's how deep the draft is. You know, like I, that's, that's, you know, I'm exaggerating people, but you get the idea. It's, it's a good draft this year. There's a lot to be excited about that, that I could see a lot of people not trading their number one draft picks this year, which may is going to make it even harder for some teams at the deadline that are going to have certain players. Like, I don't think Patrick Kane yields a first round draft pick this year, uh, unless it's a team like Colorado or somebody like that, where you know that that draft pick is going to be like number 32 or 31. But even them, I could see not wanting to trade it because of how good the draft is. Yeah. And, and there's, if you're a team that's kind of on the edge that, you know, going all in like that is a, uh is a pretty tough call to make because even at this point, some of the teams this year have, you know, 31, 32, 35 points. If you're sitting in the, you know, the forties, fifties range, that's a lot of ground to make up. You have to be really bad for a really long period there to make up that room. And that it's the the team that really interests me a little bit in that aspect is Florida, because let's not forget Florida traded their first this year, this year's first for Ben Sherratt, and boy, does that look like it's paying even more dividends now, mm -hmm. because Florida is currently sitting at twelfth, so it's kind of like what do you do if you're in their shoes? Uh Nothing, <laughs> unless you find a way to trade for a first 
that's going to end up in the lottery, but it's not going to happen. But, but what I was getting at a little, a little moment ago, really quickly, just to finish up the point on the, on the, I oh, could sorry. see, I could see a team that like Detroit making a trade for a Bo Horvat because you have the cap space and making that trade just solidifies. If, if you plan on re-signing this player, it solidifies it's, it's a backup. It's a great backup plan to Larkin, but if Larkin stays, that's a good one, two punch. Yeah, and that's always been the knock against and you have Andrew like Cop. Horvat or or yeah, that has not worked out well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> weird how someone has a huge core surgery huh. and then you know takes a little while to get going again. Yeah, uh, but but that's always the knock against centers like that is they're not really top tier first line centers. But if you had two of them, oh mm-hmm. boy, that would be a good position to be in. Uh, but to finish what I was what I was saying about Florida, the thing to keep in mind is that uh, first rounder is lottery protected, so they don't have they can't use next year's first or the year after because they're not sure which one of those is going to be available just yet. So the next like three first round draft picks they have are spoken for. They're kind of off limits. Uh, you know, Sergei Borovsky, as good as he's been for him, still eats up a huge, huge portion of their cap. And uh, they need to find a way to get cap compliant to bring Anthony Duclair and Patrick Hornquist back from injured reserve. So I'm curious if they don't try to move Anthony Duclair or somebody off of that roster to make a little bit of space for him because he, he should be coming back here in the next week or two. And then, you know, have a little bit of a chance to showcase them and then potentially you can move them for something. But it, it, even if they leaned all the way into the tank right now, all that's going to do is help Montreal. Yeah. I, I they're, they're not trying to lean into the tank, uh, but man, they are definitely the wildest team. Uh, right now because of the fact that you know I mean what last year president's trophy winning team so good making moves okay they're not going to be as good but they're still a playoff team and now they're looking like they're not even going to make the playoffs and they're not going to have their first round pick (laughs) which could help the Canadians land and I'm starting to believe that it's going to happen that the Canadians are going to be the one that ends up landing Connor Bedard. It, it would make a lot of sense for a once in a generational talent that could really, you know, grow the game and everything to end up in a, uh, another Canadian market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if they can't go to Edmonton, uh, yeah. somehow the Edmonton Oilers are going to end up with the number one overall pick. Yeah. Somehow. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and for some of these players, you're, I'm not sure what to expect, what sort of return they have, they get because someone like uh, Kane and Taves out of Chicago, they have those no move clauses. So Mm -hmm. they really control their destiny. Uh, But last year you saw the same with Claude Giroux who kind of picked his spot and still ended up getting a first and a prospect, you know, granted he was packaged together with some other stuff and there was some more non consequential stuff there but it's just it's so interesting to kind of see you know is someone going to give up a first for Jonathan Taves uh if someone gives up a 
first for Patrick Kane, I'm going to lose my mind over it because he has had a very awful year. Uh, but it's just, it's hard to see what happens with it. Like it, the, the team that he's been tied to this whole entire time is the Rangers. Do you think the Rangers are in any position to take a run at him? Uh, Patrick Kane? Yeah. Uh, I know that's been, yeah, you're right. That's been the name since pretty much last year that, oh, Kane's going to want to go back to Panarin, Panarin and Kane, reunite them, yada, yada, yada. I don't see Patrick Kane being on, like, yes, he's on the Rangers' radar, but I think he's fallen from being the guy that they're looking at. I think that they're going to look at other possibilities uh, and better rentals and cheaper rentals because, yeah, I guarantee you Chicago's trying to get a first-round pick for him and a prospect or two, and I'm sure, like, NHL-ready prospect, not, you know, some 18-year-old. They want the 21-year-old. They want the 20-year-old. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't think he's the guy that the Rangers make the move for. I, I actually think Patrick Kane could be a pretty good fit for the Hurricanes after the, the Pacioretty situation. But I will say that I do think the Hurricanes, uh, probably now are going to end up landing somebody like Tarasenko, who is back tonight for the St. Louis Blues. So he's back, but I, I think Tarasenko's a good fit for like the hurricanes and a Patrick Kane as well. Uh, a right wing goal scorer. That would make a lot of sense, except the, the only thing that gives me hesitancy is that in 42 games uh, this year, uh, Patrick Kane has eight goals and 22 assists. Uh, whereas last year he played 78 games, had 92 points. Uh, so it's very clear that something is just not, quite right with him this year uh what that is i've not the slightest idea but it's it's hard it's hard to figure out you know without knowing all the facts if he's going to be somebody that's worth acquiring at this point and and like i told you carolina doesn't do a lot with rentals traditionally so it's hard to see Mm -hmm. what direction they may lean with something like that yeah, but, uh, you but they, 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 you they really need something, though, in Carolina. Like, I regret it. I know they're stacked, but if they want to take that extra step, you know, they were expecting Pacioretty to be that, and by losing him again, I, I just feel like they might make that rental move. Like, they're at that point where they need to make a rental move at some point. Yeah, especially this year, you got to do something to be able to get past Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, God. Because yeah. it seems like they're 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 more or less just on a collision course to meet each other in the playoffs. Yeah. The way they've both been playing this that's year. That's true. Unless the uh, Hurricanes face the Rangers in the playoffs, then we all know. Oh yeah. Then well, yeah. yeah. The we'll, league, we'll the league will help the Rangers out. beat the Hurricanes, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You know they they can they can have a third string goalie uh, start chestnut. and uh... Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> that old chestnut. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, you mentioned, you sorry, St. Louis, yeah, St. Louis, St. St. Louis has Vladimir Tarasenko at the end of a deal. And they also have Ryan O'Reilly at the end of a deal. Mm. Uh, O'Reilly is hurt right now, but he does not have any trade protection. So as far as teams that might be looking to acquire an additional center, you could do a lot worse than Ryan O'Reilly. I'm going to say this. Every team that 
finds themselves in the playoffs right now or in the playoff hunt, no matter what Ryan O'Reilly's numbers are, somebody is in that room pitching, yeah, here's a guy that won the Stanley Cup. Here's a guy that we could use as a third or fourth line center who adds that veteran experience to the locker room. Granted, uh, Selkie Trophy winner and Con Smythe Trophy winner. Yeah, so uh, it, somebody's going to talk themselves into giving up a big package for him when maybe they would need to. I think so too, and, and and it may become a thing to where you know if you get multiple teams in on him, and uh, you know the team that doesn't work out for Ryan O'Reilly, maybe they go after Jonathan Taves. Uh, it's hard to say, but uh, Tarasenko does have that no move clause as well. So hopefully he likes Carolina because uh, if not, uh, he doesn't necessarily have to go. Well, I would think Carolina because if you're if you're a guy that's going to be traded and you're going to be a rental, I feel like you'd want to go to okay. Like if you're turning in your sheet, you're looking at who's got the best chance to win the cup. You know, I want to go to the Bruins. They're so damn good. I want to be there. I want to go to the hurricanes. They're so good. I want to be there. You know, that's, I mean, that's, that's how I feel like I would be looking at it if I was one of these guys. And especially a guy like Tarasenko who, you know, is going to want to win another cup. I would imagine. Yeah. And no disrespect to him, of course, but I don't know if players are tripping over themselves to be traded to Washington or Pittsburgh right now, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that, and that's and that's a key as well. It's a good point by you, you know. Does somebody like Tarasenko go, you know what? I want to go to the New York Islanders. And not to t- discredit the Islanders, but a team that's, been on the cusp of that wild card all year sitting on the outside right now you know like does he want to go to a team like that or do you want to turn in your sheet and go no send me to one of these top two teams in every conference (laughs) yeah here here are the top six teams in the league send me to one of them (laughs) Yeah, and and who and who knows what'll happen after this year. He could end up signing somewhere else. He could decide to go back to Russia. There's a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, different possibilities there for him. Yeah. Uh one other team I think that we should have our eyes on going into the trade deadline is the Sharks. Okay. Uh because you know, I don't think Eric Carlson's going anywhere, but I think Timo Meyer is going to be right at the top of a lot of teams' lists. Uh, just for the scoring touch that he brings. Uh, he doesn't, you know, back down from anything physical. And uh, at the end of this year, he's still an RFA. And if you're San Jose and you're, you know, serious about Mike, having Mike Greer do a rebuild, uh, you got to be willing to tear it down to the studs with something like this. And this is who I think the Rangers are eyeing over Patrick Kane. This is a name I've right. been linked to the Rangers a lot more frequently as well. And really, I actually have started convincing myself that this, this would be a really wise move for the Rangers. And if there is a team that is capable of pulling that trade off, the Rangers with their prospects, the Rangers do hold, you know, might be willing to give up a couple draft picks as well. But again, I don't think a first round pick is going to go in that trade, but 
I'm not talking Kako or Lafreniere type of players go, but the Rangers have other players that they could put together in a package prospect wise. And if you're looking for a rebuild that way and you want young and control, send in a pair of 20 year olds, maybe a defenseman and a winger, uh, a center and a winger, whatever, whatever you want. Two 20 year olds, young kids that not, you know, I'm not talking like the, guys that you know are never going to make. I'm talking guys that are like, yeah, these guys will play in the NHL. What their ceiling is, we aren't, we think it'll be this and it's good. Uh, And maybe like a second and a fifth, you know, I could, I think it's going to happen. And worth pointing out, the Rangers have not one, but two first round picks this Mm -hmm. year. Uh, The other, the other one they have belongs to Dallas who has (laughs) been on tear here lately. Uh, so they are not necessarily poised to miss the playoffs either. You don't really have to worry about the lottery protection there. Uh, it it would make sense to give up one of those picks mm-hmm. to get better now. Uh, and if you, you know, turn Capo Caco into Timo Meyer, uh, that would, would be quite the upgrade there. It would. It really would. And, and it would help the Rangers with what their issue has been with the top six inconsistency, uh, the goal scoring touch, the physicality thing as well. So, uh, but yeah, I've, I've seen that name starting to get linked to the Rangers a lot more. And I have started convincing myself that I, I think that's the big move the Rangers are looking to make and then trying to do the smaller additions like they did last year when you know the guy mm-hmm. like cop and things like well cop was the big one but um uh Connor bedard's favorite player tyler mott uh guys like that yeah yeah i i love that that's who he identified as his favorite yeah uh, one because of the university of michigan tie-in uh but also like he did a shot you know do the typical oh yeah Connor mcdavid this and the other so, just, yeah. no austin this Matthews. Is my guy. <laughs> oh yeah Sidney crosby oh <laughs> this is no tyler mott okay <laughs> yeah cool <laughs> i like I tyler it. mott but uh you are better than him dude so all right <laughs> <laughs> i saw those world junior highlights you did you did things that uh tyler mott can never do um all right uh yeah that's i i don't know have you seen his name linked to anybody else or because you seem shocked when i mentioned the ranger link yeah, I, I haven't heard anyone in particular. I just feel like he's going to be very highly sought after. Uh, and which, you know, for good reason. He, he's uh, he's probably one of the best scoring wingers that's going to be available right now. And, and for, you know, if the Rangers are going to be in on him, then, you know, you could potentially tie him to Carolina for that as well, uh, since he... You know, since he doesn't want to, or if they don't want to just get a strictly a rental piece, that is one heck of a way to make an upgrade. I have not the slightest idea how you may, would make that work cap-wise, but if he's an RFA, you can always just flip him to try to get your pick back. So, exactly. who knows? Exactly. And that's that's the other thing, too. And, and you mentioned it earlier with, with the caps and stuff like that. The Rangers are up against the cap this year. They're up against the cap next year. Um, a lot of teams are as well. So still trading for a restricted free agent is still very risky. 
And as far as the Rangers go, Philip Yeadle needs a contract at the end of the year. Uh, and you've got I, – I, I, maybe Kako needs one as well, but but if not Kako, him and Lafreniere are right behind, although Lafreniere probably isn't going to get a big hit at this point. Uh, probably his entry-level deal is going to be more than what he makes in his next contract at this point. But – Still, you got players there that need, you know, and I know every team's up against the wall with that, but it's just a, it, it's a good point to point out that even getting a restricted free agent, yeah, that might not really mean they stay beyond the half season or a quarter of a season. So I'm looking at the Hurricanes cap friendly page, mm-hmm. and and let me let me run this by you, okay. Uh, next year, their UFAs uh, will include Jordan Stahl, Jesper Fast, Derek Stefan, uh, and Calvin DeHaan. Uh, probably a – oh, and Paul Stasny. So a number of guys you don't necessarily have to bring back. Uh, Frederick Anderson and Antti Ranta will both have their deals up, so they'll have to do something about goaltending. But they could easily fit a Timo Meyer onto this team. Uh, and oh yeah, Max Pacioretty's deal will be up then too. Yeah, the six million that he's gone um, and stall. What what's stall making? Three, four. Uh, stall is making uh, six million. So oh, even wow. if you you know bring him back for one more year, it doesn't necessarily need to be all that much. Uh, but did I just talk myself into Timo Myers going to the Hurricanes? I think for sure? you did. I think I, I did. I think you did. And I, and but you bring up a great point as well because that's that's another way move deals are made. You got to think beyond the year. So you know, and a guy like Timo Meyer, you don't want like you don't want to trade him as a, for as just a rental. He is not a rental player. And how young he is, yeah. he is definitely a guy you want to keep locked up for a while and invest in and make a part of your team and, and a guy that, you know, again, really could help out your top six on any team. Uh, so yeah, I'm, you're selling me on the Carolina thing. Uh, Again, it hits the winger thing that I, that I've talked about that you need that I feel like they need. Yeah. And the other one that I'm curious about is what the flyers are going to do. Cause I feel like that's really going to, show if they are leaning all the way into the rebuild. Uh, do they end up, you know, trading James Van Riemsdyk? Uh, do they trade, you know, Zach McEwen or Kiefer Bellows or some of their pending RFAs coming up if they don't feel like they'll have a good chance to sign them? Uh, do we see Justin Braun go somewhere as a depth defenseman? That is just another team I kind of have my eye on. Uh, I don't think they're going to have an easy time trading Ivan Provorov, even if they wanted to. Uh, but that that's its own its own thing there. Yeah, and we'll talk about Provorov, Provorov in a second. Um, and and kind of start wrapping up the uh the episode with that. Uh, yeah, they're a team to watch because uh, I'm I'm just curious with that team. That team has been such an enigma all year with. They're bad. Tortorella's milking the most out of them, which is giving them points and giving them hope, but they really have no hope, and they would be wiser to just sell and do a rebuild. But again, Torts is a good enough coach that <laughs> they think they're better than they are. So 
Uh, but yeah, I, th- I, I think Van Re- Van Reemsdyke is the big one that 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 will go. I think he's somebody that, that yeah, because they've 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 essentially been trying to get rid of him for like it feels like this has been a thing every year where it's like they want to move Van Reemsdyke, they want to they want to move James Van Reemsdyke. So I think this is the year it finally happens. Yeah, they might as well get if he's just going to walk in the off season anyway. Especially, you might as well get something for him. Hey, maybe the Rangers um, give him. Yeah, it, get him. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I know. Yeah, he's, is it, he's a guy I've always actually liked. I, he's a player that I feel has been. He's had some really good years that might have over exceeded what he's capable of. But what he's capable of, I always liked as a player. Yeah, and for for I feel like he got such a raw deal in Toronto mm-hmm. that that may have kind of overshadowed him yes. a bit. Uh, that it, it it became a little hard for him to kind of like step out of that shadow and be able to kind of show that you know he still has a lot to offer, even it, though he was part of some of the worst teams in modern hockey history as he was part of those rebuilding yeah. Maple Leafs teams. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you, it's it, it's always a little funny when this happens because the Flyers drafted him number two overall and then ended up trading him uh, to Toronto for a while. And then he ends up back in Philadelphia. So it's funny. Yeah, it, it happens sometimes. Occasionally. He's he's living proof. Um, all right. Uh, yeah. I, I, there was one other thing I wanted to talk about before we got to Provorov, because even though we didn't get to talk about it last week, uh, we, we definitely want to want to hit it a little bit. Uh, but the thing I want to talk about before we get to, wow, this is the back-to-back of this. Um, we're, ending, <laughs> we're ending on a bit of a, a, a downer-ish this week. Uh, some news out of Ottawa. Uh, this is kind of uh, big news. Their assistant coach, Bob Jones, was diagnosed with ALS, they announced, uh, the team announced it in a statement on Tuesday, uh, saying that Bob and his family's wishes are to take the courageous step of making his condition public in an effort to drive ALS awareness as he fights the disease. Uh, Senator General Manager Pierre Dorian said that they've been working internally with Bob and his family as he takes on the challenge and that they support him. Uh, he'll continue his coaching duties but the organization will give him any time that he needs away from the club uh, to concentrate on his health and his family. Uh, Jones is only 53 in his fourth season as an assistant coach with the senators behind their bench. Uh, when he was appointed to head coach JD Smith staff back in 2019 and prior to joining the senators, he was an assistant coach with the AHL's Texas stars for one season and held various coaching roles in the OHL for over 20 seasons. So a guy that, has dedicated his entire life pretty much to coaching and hockey and uh, yeah, just a raw deal right there. Yeah. uh, For those that aren't aware, ALS is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm -hmm. Uh, It does not have a particularly long life expectancy after diagnosis, usually two to four ish sort of years. Uh, Obviously every individual is, you know, going to be different with that, but just as, you know, your nerves kind of degrade and you have difficulty speaking, swallowing, and eventually uh, difficulty breathing. It's just, it's a, that's a rough way to go, man. Yeah. And hopefully they, uh, they have some good treatments lined up for him that are going to make him, uh, you know, 
pretty comfortable and able to function for as long as possible. But boy, that is that is tough news to receive. Yeah, so young, fifty three. Uh, but yeah, just uh, man, it brings me back to the ice bucket challenge when we were all raising money for ALS awareness, and you know, we should continue to. It is like. You described it perfectly. Uh, you know, we you used to be known as Doctor Dad back in the fraternity house because you were the guy that knew the medical stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah, and and if I remember correctly, the ice bucket challenge did lead to the money they raised for that did lead to a breakthrough. Um, uh, uh, I believe you're eight, right. So. I believe you're right that because I remember reading headlines of uh, some some good some some extra good came out of it because of all the awareness that was raised so uh yeah um hoping for the best for him and his family uh yeah just a tough situation there uh sticking with the senators really quickly uh they also announced that josh norris uh he's out for the season after re-injuring his shoulder undergoing surgery uh so that was announced on monday and then today tuesday uh, the announcement about the ALS stuff. So doesn't seem so bad now. No, no, that, that, that injury doesn't seem so bad anymore. Uh, even though I'm sure it's painful. Yeah. And, and the, the, with where the senators kind of are with it, everything there, it, it's annoying how similar they are to the Red Wings sometimes because they are just so, you know, they're kind of, on the cusp of doing something, but they haven't quite taken that next step. Uh, they're, they've have 46 games that they've wrapped up at this point. They have 43 points. Uh, it, I feel like their fate is pretty much written at this point. So if, if a player is injured like that, there's no reason to keep dragging it out, go ahead, get him fixed. And hopefully that get, makes him, uh, all the more likely to be ready to go come training camp time. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Uh, you're not making the playoffs. There's no need to risk further injury and career threatening and all that stuff. Uh, all right. Before we wrap it up, we said we would hit it. Uh, even though I'm sure if you're listening to this, you've probably already heard a lot of uh, opinions about it, but Ivan Provorov of the Philadelphia Flyers caused a bit of controversy in the NHL to the point where it was being talked about on Fox News, on CNN, on MSNBC. No matter where you turned, this was being talked about, uh, and it was just the place you want the NHL to show up for it, for all the right reasons. Exactly, and it was because Provorov did not wear. Uh, they were doing um, a, a, an LGBT Q plus night. Uh, uh, Pretty much and everyone is welcome in the sport and they were wearing the jerseys and Provorov refused to wear the jersey, cited religious beliefs, Tortorella and the Flyers went, okay, cool, you can sit out the warm-ups and the jerseys, we support your take, and you, by the way, you can play in the game tonight. Uh, so yeah, um, John, you're... you're <laughs> Your thoughts about this? We're not going to go crazy deep into it because, again, I'm sure everybody yeah. heard a take about this. But just here, you know, just I'm curious what your thoughts were. Yeah, I I, I don't think we're going to have anything too terribly original to point out about it. It's it's disappointing, especially, uh, 
you know, given that these are jerseys that were going to be, you know, auctioned off for charity, where the Flyers bring a whole bunch of, have a legacy of trying to bring hockey to disadvantaged communities. Uh, so that's the biggest letdown for it. Uh, the letdown that comes along with the message that this person is sending uh, is really disappointing. Uh, I wouldn't be that surprised if he was, you know, far from the only hockey player that kind of felt this way. Uh, but most people have the decency to just shut up, wear the jersey for 30 minutes and move on with your life from there for it. Uh, you know, notably, Tony D'Angelo is on this team and has been very open about, you know, his beliefs and his background. And he does it, does all the pride events without any trouble. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, tremendous sacrifice that's being asked to wear a jersey during warmups, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I was really disappointed with him. I was disappointed to Tortorella's reaction to it. I don't know that they could legally... Uh, you know, have a basis for suspending him or benching him. Uh, but the the one nice thing that you can kind of draw from it is I feel like if this happened 10 years ago, the reaction would have been very different to it. There wouldn't have been nearly as much condemnation or nearly as much support for the LGBT community. So sometimes, you know, as I desperately try to draw positives out of stuff, I think that we can, you know, look back on how far we've come with an issue like this. Uh, but I am looking forward to uh, a, the next Quaker NHLer that tells John Tortorella they won't wear the military uh, camo jerseys for warm-up, uh, or the uh, next Christian player that just says, hey, coach, I'm not going to practice on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's... I don't know, man. Um, I I started thinking of the Kaepernick situation and the reaction because when this ended up on the news, it was very flipped in the sense of the people who were all mad about protest and this and that were now pro it. The people who were pro it are now against it. And my thing has always been, you have a right to do this. Kaepernick, you know, had a right to kneel for his protest. Provorov has a right to not wear this jersey if he doesn't want to. It doesn't mean, though, that I have to agree with it. It, You know, yeah. like, Provorov, in my opinion, is very wrong. And I am a Roman Catholic. But I believe he's very, very wrong for this. And I believe hiding behind his religion on this is actually pretty cowardly as well. But I understand that there is a sect of religious people out there that are very strongly opinionated about this and probably consider me to be heathenish for being a Roman Catholic, but also going, yeah, I, I, I like, I don't, I don't stand in that ex extreme, like this is evil standpoint. And that's what comes across when you don't want to wear that Jersey and go out there. It comes across as you going, yeah, my religious belief. I think it, it I basically, I think they're evil. I don't believe that. So I like, I don't know, like he has the right to not wear it, but yeah. I have the right to sit here and go, you're wrong. Like that's, that's the freedom yeah. of this all. That's, that's, yeah, that's what yeah, makes America, it, America. I don't and, and I felt I don't like know. that was the, 
that was the trap of this, right? Was to say, oh, now you don't want to hear sports athletes' opinions. Yes. Oh, now they need to shut up and dribble or whatever it should be. So so I tried to make sure I was very careful, you know, going through the last week and not saying something among those lines. Because, you know, they should be entitled to their opinion yeah. with it. But I just hate the idea that cancel culture is, you know, this big, you know, we have this big cabal together that we got you know, we all went to the meeting and discussed how we were going to wreck Ivan Provorov's lives. Like, no, that's just consequences for your actions. If you have some ridiculous beliefs, then, you know, some people may not want to be associated with you. But let's get into the differences of idolatry between Roman Catholicism and Eastern Orthodoxy. No, let's not do that. I know you have a lot of thoughts on this. This is, that's not this show. That's not how this rolls. It's no, we're not doing that. Okay. My religion. You you don't want to talk about the skit that led to the divisions of the faith to begin with and the Byzantine Empire. No, 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 no. But I'm just, I'm just pointing out that like, I, I recognize that there are religions out there that that do hold this in in like this is something that is a crusade to them. To me, it's not. To me, the crusade is actually that we should be wearing these. Dude, when we did the seven five seven two man advantage podcast back in the day, we had back in the early days we had you can play on the show to talk about yeah. how. Everybody was welcome in the sport because to me, that's, that's the actual religious fight is to be the person that is welcoming to everybody, whether they are the same religion as me or whether they are not, whether they follow the same ideology as me or whether they do not. That's where, that's where my difference is. And that's where I look at this situation and go, I believe Provorov's wrong. Like, I believe there was nothing wrong with putting that jersey on and going out there and saying to the 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 pride fans of this community that you can come to the game, you can play the game, you're welcome to be a part of this game. Because in my opinion, they they deserve to be welcome. They don't. And, uh, and the message that the entire team is behind this or supportive or can at least pretend to be is an important one. Yeah. And what and what we talked about with Patrick with the You Can Play project was that a lot of it is focused around not, you know, shouting down a person that, you know, has these beliefs, but maybe reaching out and attempting to educate and you know, he didn't really touch on the religious aspect of it. That's obviously a whole can of worms for it, but it was a very different approach to take to it. I thought it was very enlightening to have learned that from him. Yeah, yeah. And and I saw some of the players on the Flyers say that they've, uh, and some players around the league, because obviously when it becomes a thing, everybody's getting asked. And some players have said, like, you know, we've had the conversations. We've tried. And that's where it begins. It begins with the conversations with people. Mm-hmm. Uh, honest, honest yeah, to God. And, and, like, honest to God. Even with the Kaepernick thing. As somebody from a military family, you served in the military, John. Well, you served in the Navy. But you, you served in a yeah. form of our in, in our, in our country's military and forces. Yeah. Like, sorry to put it out there. But, you know, but with the Kaepernick uh, thing. That's fine. I, yeah, I had an internal reaction when he kneeled of like, what the hell? But then I went, nobody has a right to do it. And he's right. And he's doing it for this reason. And I get why he's doing it. And let's have the conversation. Let me listen to this conversation. 
you know, I'm not saying do that with Provorov here, but because Provorov is in the position of this one of you need to listen to the other side and understand what it was that you did and why there was such a reaction that way. And, and, and you don't get realistic change by shouting no. somebody down and never listening to their side of it or, or you know, resorting to the basis name calling that you see from both sides of any argument that tends to happen online. Yeah. Uh, but also similarly, you, you brought up Colin Kaepernick and I think that the, my biggest thing for his thing was always what he was trying to bring attention to got, you know, got a little hijacked over, uh, you know, the, the oh, yeah. idea of what you do, you know, in reverence to the flag. And, 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 and you can see something very similar happening here to where, you know, Ivan Provorov's religious freedoms and stuff is taking a lot of precedence over <laughs> what pride night was supposed to be. Exactly. And, and just, and and just generally speaking, I wish we had a lot more reverence for what these symbols are supposed to represent rather than the symbols themselves. And dude, that I'm not even going to touch from that point on because I think that is a perfect way to kind of wrap that up right there, honestly, because that's what it is. That's you nailed it. You nailed it right there, John. It only took us an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> With and one recording, only one recording as well. We didn't have to split the recording. Yeah, one recording. Yeah. One recording, yeah. one take. That's all yeah, we do. That's all, all completely off the cuff. Yeah. Wasn't an yeah. interesting night of recording at all. Nope. Internet. Yeah. No, no hours of prep work to have things to talk about. This uh, everything from us straight from the heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all right. Um, <laughs> What do you got to plug? What do you got for us? Uh, if you, if you want to go disagree with me or something, uh, I'm on Twitter <laughs> at JT Evans, the number zero. Yeah. I'm afraid to get my Twitter this week. Cause I'm sure we're going to get some ads. <laughs> Wonderful underscore radio. Bye everybody. Later. Thanks for listening. Tell me who is she?